Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is September the 7th, 2018. I hope all of you have had a great week uh, with all the crazy stuff that never seems to end. Uh, It's been an amazing week for me. We'll get into it a little bit later on, but um, to begin with, if you're familiar with me, you know that I am Michael Cutler. I'm a retired senior special agent with the former Immigration and Naturalization Service, an agency that ceased to exist in the wake of the terror attacks of 9-11, and incredibly, we are just days away from the 17th anniversary of that horrific day uh, when alien radical Islamists attacked our nation, killed more than 3,000 people, and in fact, the death toll continues to mount. Uh, Recently, an article pointed out that 10,000 additional people uh, have been sickened, some died, some are still quite ill and and hanging on but suffering. Uh, There's a drug bill named for a police officer, first responder, uh, if memory serves, was the first first responder to die of diseases related to his exposure to the toxins released at ground zero when the towers came down. Uh, billions of dollars being spent on on these folks who were suffering immeasurably, um, and they created a disaster known as DHS, I came to call it, the Department of Homeland Surrender. It's supposed to be, of course, the Department of Homeland Security. Um, Quite frankly, the Bush administration, in an apparent effort, at least apparent to me and apparent to other members of uh, government and members of Congress from the Republican side, and Bush was a Republican, ostensibly, all felt that the way that DHS was put together de-emphasized immigration law enforcement, de-emphasized border security, even though the 9-11 Commission, to which I would ultimately provide testimony, determined that first and foremost, it was multiple failures of the immigration system that enabled 19 hijacker terrorists to enter the United States and embed themselves. That is how strong this insane push for globalism has become, and it has only gotten worse uh, as time has progressed. And we now have lunatic Democrats calling for dismantling ICE, a governor of New York State referring to ICE agents as thugs. Uh, I have to tell you, uh, I never in a million years could have imagined this set of circumstances befalling our great nation. And we're going to focus on what this means for national security. My latest article for front page uh, certainly uh, creates a clear example of how important immigration is. But I first want to remind all of you to check out my website, michaelcutler.net, C-U-T-L-E-R, michaelcutler.net. I write for front page magazine, frontpagemag.com, and the social contract. And we're about a month away, I'm going to guess, from the fall edition of the Social Contract Quarterly Journal that will focus on a topic um, that I kind of put together, and it is called Sanctuary Country. It's not just sanctuary cities. These are all failures by design, folks, because this push for globalism is not only to be found among the Democrats. Far too many Republicans are eager to achieve the same goals. They're a little bit more covert about it not quite as extreme. They're not calling, certainly, for taking ICE apart and dismantling border security. Uh, That certainly goes well beyond the pale. 
But at the end of the day, this is about flooding America with cheap, exploitable foreign labor. That's what this is about. And both sides of the aisle want it. That's why we are in this disastrous situation right now, and Donald Trump is the guy that doesn't want it. So please understand what has happened. DACA, and we'll get to that a little bit later on, would be irrevocable and it would be catastrophic because it's not what it appears to be. Understand that. Understand that this is a, um, a scam, especially, especially if DACA is expanded to include all supposed aliens who would have been eligible ostensibly back when President Obama stood in the Rose Garden back in 2012 and announced that he would put this program known as DACA together. And this program is designed to fill in the blanks, to give you the information the mainstream media has, been, has become determined to not provide to you. It's an evolutionary process. The lies have been evolutionary. The impact has been on a scale, and the scale is going right off into infinity. And so this program is the antidote to the lies and the BS being spoon-fed to the American people. Uh, I call it the mushroom treatment. It's a term we used to use in government because the way you cultivate mushrooms is to keep them in the dark and feed them a lot of manure. And that seems to be, in this crazy day and age, what the mainstream media has been providing, manure. Uh, You know, after 9-11, I was averaging 15 television interviews per month on all the major cable networks, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, believe it or not, ABC News over on the terrestrial side. And today those networks, with the exception of Fox, don't want immigration agents to come on TV and talk about immigration. If there's a military issue, there's no shortage of generals and commanders and colonels and Navy SEALs, you name it, they get them, they're on the air, they're true experts. If it's a program about the space program, there's no shortage of experts. They'll bring in former astronauts and scientists and rocket scientists and and technicians and astronomers. No shortage. Physicists. When there's a murder or a kidnapping, FBI profilers, no problem. Retired police detectives, homicide detectives, they've got them by by the bushel. But somehow, somehow, when the topic turns to immigration, you would think, you would think that they would want to have immigration agents on. Fox News has Tom Homan on. He's become a contributor. I met Tom this past week, and we'll talk about this past week. I spoke at an event sponsored by Act for America, Brigitte Gabrielle's group. Uh, Tom Homan spoke. I was part of a panel discussion with uh, uh, my friend Chris Jemensky from Numbers USA and Jessica Vaughn from Centers for Immigration Studies. And and so we got into a discussion about immigration and national security. And um, uh, Tommy Lara was there, a blonde young lady. You can't mistake her. She used to be with One American News Network, and then she went over to Fox. In fact, she interviewed me when she was at One American News Network, so it was kind of like old home week for me. But understand that the mainstream media doesn't want former immigration agents on who are going to speak knowledgeably from a basis of experience about immigration. Look at the lies that we're hearing from the politicians. I was just listening to a campaign announcement, if you want to call it that. I call it garbage, where Cuomo, the governor of New York, is talking about how he is going to protect the immigrants, unlike Donald Trump. What they're talking about is protecting illegal aliens. To say that we're going to defend the immigrants, they don't need defending. ICE doesn't arrest immigrants unless they commit felonies and they are convicted. We don't simply go around rounding up people because they're of a different color or race or religion, which is what the other side is essentially claiming. Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, lays out the grounds for excluding an alien, and it also provides guidance as to who gets arrested. An alien who runs the border does not enter undocumented. That word doesn't even exist. It's, it's, just, it's a make-believe word. He entered undocumented. Really? Did you ever hear of a driver who drove undocumented? Did you ever hear of a bank robber? who didn't have an account in the bank making an undocumented withdrawal, then why in the world do they say undocumented? 
It's about minimizing the significance of aliens who violate our borders and violate our immigration laws. And that game of semantics, that game of Orwellian newspeak, began with Jimmy Carter. When immigration agents were told to stop using the word alien to describe aliens, even though the term alien isn't an insult, it simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. There's no insult, just clarity. But when you're a liar and a con artist, the last thing you want is clarity. Burglars hide in the shadows. Swindlers use deceptive language and all sorts of gimmicks to swindle people out of their life savings. By swindling Americans where immigration is concerned, it's not only that Americans are losing their jobs, they're losing their lives. We're losing national security. We're losing the ability to be a country. We're flooding our schools with kids who can't speak English. In New York, you can get a learner's permit for a driver's licenses, and, and I don't even know how many languages I've given up counting. Think of how insane that is. See, I would love to have somebody do a study as to how many serious car accidents have happened because one or more of the motorists involved could not read the road signs. English is the international language of aviation. How in the world can you drive a car and not understand the signs? But this is all about flooding America with an unlimited supply of foreign tourists, an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, an unlimited supply of foreign students, and an unlimited supply of clients for immigration lawyers. That's exactly what we are witnessing today. And anybody who thinks otherwise is a fool. Why in the world do you think you're hearing from members of Congress and mayors and governors, well, we've got 11 million. That number hasn't moved, hasn't budged. In fact, the Congressional Budget Office in 2006 did a study about the impact of illegal immigration on a host of issues, one of which being education, and it found that it costs 20 to 40% more to educate children who can't speak, read, or write English. Back then they said there were 12 million. Now we're being told 11 million. We have all these surges of illegal aliens. We have all these caravans of illegal aliens. We have people, as they just reported last week or two weeks ago, 700,000 overstaying their visas. And, of course, there's more to it than that. If they simply overstayed, who cares? You want to stay in a hotel for an extra six months? Knock yourself out. You want to stay in your brother's basement for an extra year? I don't care. But it's not simply that they're overstaying, they're likely working, or they're likely making use of safety net economic programs, which impacts our economy, which is destructive to the middle class, which is destructive to public safety and national security. So it's not simply that they're overstaying. Again, let's use the most innocuous language possible. And it's remarkable because the politicians get it. Chuck Schumer wanted, as I pointed this out innumerable times, as did Michael Bloomberg, they wanted laws to, to be created and to be enforced that would go after trespassing. As mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg said that when people trespass on public housing, nothing good can come of it. This includes gangsters and robbers and muggers and drug dealers and gun runners. And he said that the police need to round up the trespassers and prosecute every last one because trespassing on public housing creates a safety hazard, a public safety hazard for the people who legitimately live in public housing. Well, he's right. But if trespassing on public housing poses a threat to the safety of the residents of the public housing, tell me, folks, don't you believe that trespassing on America carries with it similar threats? We admit millions upon millions of foreign visitors each and every year into the United States, people with tourist visas and student visas and exchange visitor visas and, and religious visas. And the list goes on and on and on. We have categories of visas you can't even imagine. We admit tens of millions of temporary visitors every year. And we admit roughly a million lawful immigrants every year. They're given a green card. They're immediately placed on the path to citizenship. So it's not as though we're not letting people in. We are already the most welcoming nation on the planet. But if you listen to the politicians in the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and all these advocates for open borders, we don't let people in. They have no way of coming legally. Well, after you bring in a million lawful immigrants every year, what do you plan to do 
about jobs and schools and the impact on critical infrastructure. Overcrowded roads and overcrowded schools and overcrowded hospitals, overcrowded public transportation. That's the impact of flooding a country or flooding a city with lots more people. How many people can you shove into a restaurant or an airplane or a train or a bus? You walk into a restaurant, there's a sign that will say, occupancy by more than 291 people, unlawful according to the fire commissioner. Why? Because there are concerns that if you flood that restaurant with too many people, it becomes a safety hazard. No one can get to the fire exits. How many people can you shove in an airplane? We're going to have people sitting on each other's lap, you see. Well, a country is the same. If you keep flooding the country with more and more foreign workers, you displace more and more Americans, and by virtue of the economic principle of supply and demand, the wages go down. And very often, Americans lose the jobs. And the foreign workers are intent on sending money home to their families in their home country, and you can't blame them. You would do the same thing, and I would do the same thing. They're not wrong. We are for permitting the madness. We are for displacing American workers. Think of Mitt Romney when he was attempting to become president the second time around, said we ought to be stapling green cards onto the diplomas of every foreign student. He said otherwise they're going to go halfway across the world and take with them the education we gave them. Right. Like the foreign students from China. Last year we admitted 152,000 Chinese STEM students, science, technology, engineering, and math. And they went home. But before they went home, they got optional practical training by working for American companies here in the United States. And all too frequently... That resulted in espionage. And the Chinese government is very, very smart. You see, they have a long-term vision. If you ask a congressman what long-term means, it's no more than two years because that's how long their term in office lasts. And if it's a year before the election, then long-term is a year. If it's six months before the election, then long-term is six months. For corporate executives, long-term is the next earnings report. But when you ask China what long-term means, they will tell you what they plan to do decades and generations from now. Theirs is truly a long-term viewpoint. They are looking at a long-term strategy. So they have their people come to America, they study well, they work hard, and then under the principle of a thousand grains of sand, they don't task their people with bringing home the blueprint to the latest fighter plane, but only one particular part, the nose gear assembly, the, the flight control surfaces, the avionics package, the ejection seat, whatever. And they have enough people here that each one sends home one grain of sand, and then they put all those grains of sand together, and a clear picture emerges, and they're able to then reverse engineer what we've designed here in the United States. And we're letting these students in, and we're training them. And China goes ahead and builds artificial islands in the South China Sea, militarizes them, and warns America that if we get too close, look out. We've educated their doctors and their biologists and their chemists. And so in the Center for Disease Control, there was just a report released, I'm going to probably write a piece about it, when the Chinese were asked by our Center for Disease Control about emerging viruses because they're starting to put together vaccines for next year's flu. China thumbed their nose at us and said, nope, we're not going to give you the information. There's no military point to this. This is humanitarian stuff. And our most favored trade partner, China, most favored trade, thank you, George Bush Sr., he gave us that disaster. Bill Clinton ran on the promise that he would end it. He didn't end it. Barack Obama, forget about it, lost cause. The time has come to end China's most favorite trade status. And in fact, President Trump is now talking about more tariffs, more items taken off the list of free trade. And Wall Street is shaking, and the reporters are running around in circle like headless chickens. Hey, folks. If this had been done 25, 30 years ago, China wouldn't have an artificial island in the South China Sea, and they wouldn't be rattling their sabers at us that they built with U.S. technology. So now Trump is trying to finally close the barn door, and everyone is going nuts because the globalists, frankly, don't care. They could care less that China 
is a totalitarian country. I was having a discussion with some young people who came to this wonderful conference for Act for America, and we got into a conversation about how so many people today, particularly young people, don't understand how terrible socialism is. Well, they were using the term socialism. I'll use the word communism, and there is a distinct difference. In my humble opinion, we are ultimately going to have to have some socialism creep into our government, and it already has workmen's compensation, Social Security, those programs. And the reason we're going to need those programs is because increasingly jobs are going away. More jobs are being done through artificial intelligence and automation. Tool and die makers are becoming extinct as we go to 3D printing. The world is in upheaval, and computers and artificial intelligence are leading the charge. When we went from an agrarian country to an industrial country with the Industrial Revolution, there were huge upheavals. We're about to face some more huge upheavals. And, and, you know, I I find it remarkable. And and so, you know, full disclosure, I'm registered as a Democrat. I vote as an independent. And I can't tell you the last time I voted for a Democrat because the Democrats aren't Democrats. They're crazy. Uh, But the point of the matter is that uh, we are losing jobs. And people say, well, if there's a minimum wage of $15, the companies will just, the fast food places will simply fire Americans and and bring in robots. They're going to be bringing in robots anyway, folks. It's not a matter of if, it's only a matter of when. And as more jobs go away, and if we keep this up about importing more foreign workers, people will find it increasingly difficult to get decent jobs that pay a living wage. $15 an hour isn't a living wage, but the Democrats, and they're not telling you this, but I'll tell you, want it to be a standard wage. Now, if you wonder where I got that notion, look at Alan Greenspan, who talked about the privileged elite in describing American high-tech workers. And so we need to make them compete with foreign workers to eliminate the wage premium so we will get closer to wage equality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. That's communism. That's not simply helping people. That's taking control of the economy and the methods of production and making certain that the people at the top of the food chain get to call all the shots. There's no balance. This isn't government by the people. This is an oligarchy that we're looking at. And another member of MS-13 was just uh, charged with the, the double homicide, and you have the Democrats screaming about how unfair it is to enforce immigration law. Molly Tibbetts was killed. I talked about her last week illegal alien from Mexico, but don't you dare say anything about the illegal aliens because they're all immigrants and they all want the American dream. This is the lunacy. But when I spoke to those young people that act for America, I said, here's how you can explain the difference between communism and capitalism. And unbridled capitalism, by the way, doesn't work well either. Think of the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire and Child Labor. There has to be a certain number of regulations in place that are reasonable, sensible, and fair. You can't make children work. You can't have people working in unsafe conditions. So for those people who don't like to have regulations, they're inevitable. My son likes to quote, my younger son likes to quote Madison, who said, if men were angels, you wouldn't need government. Men and women aren't angels, I assure you. I dealt with many who were anything but angels. But the easiest way to understand the difference between the two forms of of economics, there's only two ways, basically, to motivate people, or even dogs and horses that we're training. It's called the carrot or the stick. In capitalism, if things work the way they're supposed to, if you put in more hours, get more training, and work harder, and you benefit from a little bit of good fortune, you should make more money. I would call that the carrot. Work harder get a bigger, juicier paycheck, you buy a nicer house, you drive a nicer car, you go on better vacations, and you wear better clothing. That's the carrot. But under socialism, particularly communism, where supposedly it's to each according to his needs, from each according to his ability, what you wind up with is basically a standard wage, you see. So no matter how hard you work, no matter how many hours you put in, no matter how diligent you are, no matter how much training you take, you're not going to be able to do much to change your salary. So how do you motivate somebody if you can't pay them bonuses and give them more money, which is what happens in capitalism? 
Well, if it's not going to be the carrot, folks, then it's going to be the stick. And if you look at what Joseph Stalin did to his own people, how many millions of Russians were killed by that bum, how many were sent off to Siberia to the gulags, that wasn't a carrot, that was a stick. So the easiest way to explain to people in a thumbnail sketch, you're either, going to motiv- you're either going to motivate the masses with the carrot or the stick, the simple and obvious question, what would you rather live under? The threat of the stick or the promise of the carrot? Capitalism, simply stated, provides the promise of the carrot. Not complicated. Pretty simple, but this has never been a difficult topic. It's been obfuscated by the globalists who don't want to see wages go up and who don't care when people die because to them, dead bodies are speed bumps along the way to globalism. They're more concerned with head counts on airplanes and in baseball stadiums and in hotels and cruise ships than they are with body counts in the morgue. So... Talking about body counts in the morgue, let's go to my latest article for Front Page Magazine. And if if you find this interesting, I urge you, please go to frontpagemag.com. Check out my articles and the other articles. But I've I've been writing for Front Page now for a bunch of years, very proud to be one of their regular contributors. And so here was my latest article, and it was just published September the 3rd, just a couple days ago, a couple days before I went off to uh, Washington, D.C., Actually, it was Virginia, but on the outskirts of D.C. Same difference for me, being a New Yorker that I am. The title of my article was Iranian Agents Charged with Targeting U.S. Locations, and the subtitle, Sleeper Agents, Assassins in Our Midst? Question mark. My article was predicated on a DOJ, a Department of Justice press release. The title, Two Individuals Charged for Acting as Illegal Agents of the Government of Iran. Now, let's, before we even talk about these two characters, understand what Iran is doing. Once the Shah of Iran was deposed under the brilliant Jimmy Carter, brilliant leader, goodness gracious, once they brought back um, uh, the Ayatollah, our embassy was overrun, our employees were taken hostage. It took President Reagan to swing a deal because they weren't going to do it with with weak-kneed Carter. The same Carter who said, we're not going to use the word alien. The same Carter who said, we're not going to arrest illegal aliens during the census because they all have to be counted for the census. And why was that? Not because these people needed representation, but because they tended to live in population centers that the Democratic Party controlled. So if you could have more warm bodies counted in those population centers that were controlled by the Democrats, then when the reapportionment comes at the end of the census, at the end of every decade or the beginning of the new decade, you wind up with more seats in the House and more electoral votes in the college that are oriented towards the left. That's what that was about. It was gerrymandering by a very unique methodology. So the embassy got overrun. We had a real problem with Iran, and they were hearing after hearing after hearing about how Iran had become the state sponsor of terrorism. Hamas and Hezbollah, I'm sure you've heard of them, terrorist organization, are the clients of Iran. Iran funds them, them trains them. And there was a hearing, and I, and I spoke about this in a prior article, and I mentioned it on this program, but there was a hearing back in April of this year that was chaired by Peter King of the Homeland Security Committee where the discussion turn to the fact that there's at least 200,000 members of Hamas and Hezbollah operating around the world, but increasingly they're operating in Latin America. We know that there are Iranian shock troops, Quds forces, flying directly into into Caracas, Venezuela, from Tehran, Iran. And why do you think they're coming here? (laughs) Because if you look at Venezuela, it's in a state of economic freefall. It's teetering on becoming a failed state. Failed States can't provide for their people. People in Venezuela are starving. They can't even get drinking water. Speaking of which, let me just take a quick sip here. So they can't even get clean, safe drinking water. When there's abject poverty and disorder, opportunities to recruit terrorist operatives increase. People are desperate. They will do anything for food and money to take care of themselves 
and more likely to take care of their, their children. Desperate people resort to desperate tactics. How many women turn to prostitution when they are poverty-stricken? It's hard to be dignified when you have a grumbling stomach and starving children. You see? Poverty provides opportunities for communists and terrorists to recruit adherents. Very fundamental, simple logic. You know, it's irrefutable. So you've got Iran all over Latin America, Venezuela in a state of free fall, and Iran has been threatening us with their operatives. And as President Trump tightens the screws, they're getting more frantic, and more and more Iranians are taking to the streets. So Iran is not happy. They've threatened to kill Israel, to blow up Israel. That's why this issue of the nuclear weapons is so important, and they want to get to us also. And make no doubt they've been working in cahoots with North Korea. There's been an exchange of information, technology, science, and physics, and so forth. And these aren't the first Iranians to be involved in this kind of activity. But this case is important on several levels. Let me begin by reading to you the, uh, the paragraph that is at the beginning of the DOJ press release. And again, if you go to... Uh, to my website, michaelcutler.net, or go to Front Page Mag, you can find the article, Iranian Agents Charged with Targeting U.S. Locations. So here is the, the statement. An indictment was returned today, and today, of course, was August 20th, so this was last month. An indictment was returned today charging Amadreze Mohammadi Dustar, 38, a dual U.S.-Iranian citizen, and Majid Gorbani, 59, an Iranian citizen and resident of California, was allegedly acting on behalf of the government of the Islamic Republic of Iran by conducting covert surveillance of Israeli and Jewish facilities in the United States and collecting identifying information about American citizens and U.S. nationals who are members of the group Mujahideen-e-Kalk, or M.E.K. That group is hostile to Iran. Their goal is regime change in Iran. So you can understand why Iran doesn't like them, but this is the United States where we do have freedom of speech. And these two characters were surveilling them. If you read the indictment, and, and I suggest you do, and my article also provides a link to a very thorough ABC News report to their credit, a local ABC program, it reads like a Tom Clancy novel. These guys meet. Apparently, they didn't know each other, but they're told to meet with each other. One guy meets some woman in, a, in, a, in, a, um, in an art gallery or a museum. There's an exchange of pieces of paper. This is espionage, pure and simple, but with a purpose. They've even been apparently targeting members of the United States Congress, possibly for assassination. Think about what we're talking about. We know that during the campaign, uh, the second term for Obama, there was an effort made by people linked to the Quds forces, Iranians. They were arrested, if I remember correctly, in Texas. They were here to blow up the Saudi embassy in Washington, kill the Saudi ambassador, and perhaps blow up the Israeli embassy. This isn't just people spying or people spray-painting graffiti. They're playing for keeps. They are playing for keeps. And in this case, we found out, we, the government of the United States, found out about these people. Now, what's interesting, the dual national was born in the United States. Didn't come here, but he was born here. But two years after being born in the United States, for whatever taken from the United States to Canada and then ultimately on to Iran. He doesn't show up until 2017 when he's clearly an adult. Why was he taken to Iran? Well, he's got an Iranian sort of name. Maybe his father was Iranian, his, Amer his mother was American, and he just wanted to go home. He, the father, wanted to go home to his home country. Maybe. Could be. That would certainly be an innocuous explanation, although I don't really know what the story is there. However, there's another possibility, and that possibility is that the mother could have been Iranian and said, hey, if I have a child in the United States, because he came here in 1980. 1980 was when the Iran hostage situation was going to be resolved by the Reagan administration. So there was already a real, a real uh, bad feelings between the two countries. And we know that in the Arab world, Arab women turned their martyred sons into heroes. How great my son blew himself up and killed a bunch of infidels. 
where in the world do you hear that other than in, in, in that kind of level of lunacy? So what if, and again, I'm just conjecturing, and this guy isn't found, has not yet been found guilty of anything, but let's say that, that you know he's guilty as charged. We'll find out. And let's speculate just a little bit. I hate doing it, but here it's worthwhile. What if his parents were both Iranian and they came specifically with the idea of having a child in America and then once the kid was here and it was clear that he was American, they could take him back to Iran and indoctrinate him in radical Islamist jihad and then have him come back to the United States as an adult where he could do some real damage to us. That could be who he is which gets us to the 14th Amendment, the notion that anybody born in the United States is a citizen of birth. That section of the Constitution was amended that way, not for aliens, but for American slaves, for black Americans who were deprived citizenship because of racism and bigotry that existed then, but not now. So when I see this business about taking a knee, uh, give me a break. Yes, America has problems, every country has problems, every family has problems. But I don't know any country other than the United States that was so willing to quickly and completely address the issues that were just immoral and crazy. You see? So here you have a situation of the 14th Amendment enacted to deal with giving full citizenship to American black slaves who are no longer slaves. But the courts have ruled, and when I went to Border Patrol Academy, which is where everybody who got a badge at the old INS went for training, they said anybody born in the United States, with the exception of children of diplomats, becomes a citizen at birth, because that's the law. That's what the 14th Amendment has been interpreted to be calling for. Not long ago, I think I was on Dana Loesch's program over at NRA TV, and we were talking about the 14th Amendment, and I raised this very sort of scenario. What if a woman decides to have a child in America, not so that the child can ultimately petition for her, and of course that's also the case, which is where we get the term anchor baby from. Once the child turns 21, he or she could petition for the parents. But I said, what if it's a way of having a U.S. citizen child who you could then take home and indoctrinate and bring back here and turn them loose on us. That might be what's happening. And if you read my article at front page, you will see exactly what I'm talking about. And by the way, if you find these articles interesting, if you find my program interesting, if you find you're learning things or thinking about things that otherwise wouldn't have been possible, please become part of my Bucket Brigade of Truth and pass the information along you can do it by snail mail, email, knock on your neighbor's door, however you want to transmit it. But let's share the information with as many people as possible so they come to understand the nature of the threats that we're facing. Because I assure you, this is not going to be on the 6 o'clock evening news. Well, this other guy, Majid Gorbani, he's 59 years old. He comes to the United States. He's been living here for 20 years. And suddenly he also gets his green card now. Now, what's interesting about this guy is he first came to the United States in 1995. And if you're wondering the significance of 1995, that was the year that President Bill Clinton issued an executive order requiring sanctions of Iran because of their activities. So 1980, the Iranian hostage, 1995, the executive order issued by Bill Clinton. This could have been what motivated these two. And they were surveilling these locations. They had a bug in their car. The conversations were very disconcerting. And you come away with the inescapable sense that perhaps these two characters, and it's quite obvious they're working with others. God knows who they are. Hopefully the FBI has identified them, but we don't know if they have. And the goal was to carry out a bombing or some other violent attack in the United States to upset the apple cart, to make things difficult for the American government to do what it needs to do to protect Americans, enforce the law, and secure the borders. And, and then you have Governor Cuomo and Nancy Pelosi and all these others running around with their hair on fire. Oh, my God, we must protect the immigrants. We must not build that wall. Uh, they just opened up the, the, the bridge that's named for Cuomo's father, who also had been a governor of New York. And there's Cuomo, bombastic as ever, 
This is a message to Donald Trump, build bridges, not walls. You know, we heard that from Hillary also. If you want to build a wall, then you wind up in her basket of deplorables. I just want a window seat, you know. But you don't want to be in her basket of deplorables, God forbid. Really? So that was the slogan, build bridges, not walls. Yes, let's bring in more MS-13. God knows we haven't had enough children raped and, 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 and killed and decapitated. Let's have the games begin. Let's bring in more drug dealers. And by the way, do you notice, inexplicably, city after city, the liberal cities are turning around, the left-wing cities, they're not liberal. I consider myself on issues to be somewhat liberal, depending on which issue. And I, and I don't like putting people in cubby holes because one size does not fit all. But, it, but if you think about this whole thing about the cities, we're legalizing pot disproportionate number of people of color are getting arrested for possession and smoking pot in public. Why not simply approach those communities and say, look, if you want to be successful, it's hard to be successful and study stoned out of your mind, and no employer is going to want somebody who can't pass the urine test. So we go in the other direction. Well, because a disproportionate number of minorities are doing this, we're going to make it easy for them, and this will no longer be a crime. And meanwhile, they're also doing it so that we don't deport illegal, we don't deport aliens who are losing their green cards because they've been con convicted of possession of small quantities of marijuana. Folks, this is not the way you demonstrate compassion for America or Americans. It's a dangerous message. Telling kids pot must be okay because we're making it legal. Pot must be okay. Now, not everyone who uses marijuana is going to go on to the hardcore drugs, but I can tell you, when I was up at DEA Intelligence, and then when I went over to the Drug Task Force for 10 years, we were running a bunch of informants, and many of them used cocaine and heroin. And any informant who was using those heavy-duty drugs would tell you that they had also started with marijuana. So while not everybody who smokes pot goes on to the hardcore drugs, everyone who uses hardcore drugs began with recreational marijuana, some recreation. I'd rather play handball or go bike riding. So what's the game plan? Why on earth are we hearing all of this clamoring, let's do away with the borders, let's do away with immigration law, even as we're approaching the 17th anniversary? And one of the challenges that we have, and, and it really gets hammered home when you speak to some young people and you say to them, well, do you remember on 9-11, and they just kind of look at you and they say, mm, I was kind of young. Well, how old were you? I was five. We now have a generation of Americans who are coming of age that have no memory of 9-11. Maybe some vague memory, but they certainly have no idea what happened. And the media certainly doesn't want to talk about it. The media doesn't want to run those quotes from the 9-11 Commission about the need for interior enforcement and how a lack of interior enforcement uh, resulted in our officials missing opportunities to disrupt terrorist plots. The reason I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission, the reason I've been before 17 congressional hearings in the House and Senate, and I've been called by Jackson Lee as well as by the Republicans, and you know Sheila is a, uh, very much to the left Democrat, was because of my real-world experience. I investigated and arrested terrorists, and not just from the Middle East, but from Latin America and elsewhere. I arrested a suspected IRA terrorist and took a gun off him. So this is not a game. This is something that I'm not making up. This is not something where I'm using conjecture, and, and I get a brain spasm, and then I tell you, well, I think I have an idea. For 30 years, I went out there, and did my job and encountered these cases. I was part of the drug task force for a whole bunch of years. Why then would anyone in their right mind say, we don't need immigration? Why would you call immigration agents thugs? Because it's clear that Cuomo and Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Gillibrand and all these others are eager to take down the borders to flood America with foreign aliens. Why? Of course, they're foreign aliens. They're all, you know, forgive the redundancy. But this is about cheap labor. It's about votes. It's about pandering to the campaign contributors. It's about flooding America with clients for immigration lawyers, many of whom are members of Congress. So understand what, where we are. We have this case 
And I don't want to read all of it to you. I, I would like you to go online and read it at Front Page Magazine about these two Iranians, and there's others. Scroll through my archives. This isn't a, a new idea. And there have been hearings now, at least, for 10, 15 years about Iranian sleeper agents operating in the United States. And meanwhile, we're letting people in hand over fist, and we have no control over them because we only have about 6,000 ICE agents. Why? And I remember Michael Chertoff, when I was with him in California about 10 years ago, saying, well, we can't afford more agents. I said, really? I said, if you stop the people from working illegally in the country and sending money home, <clears throat> that would pay for, for building a wall or doing whatever else we need to do, build, hiring more agents. They don't want to hire the agents in Congress because they don't want to interfere with what's happening. I'm always told we need more agricultural workers, and you say, well, then hire more agents to make sure these farm workers actually show up on the farm. They don't want to hear about it. Why? Because they don't care if they show up on the farm. If they can vote for more farm workers, the farmers are happy. If they don't show up, the farm workers will come back next year and demand even more immigrants, which is what the politicians want. You see? So... This is clearly not about even satisfying the farmers, but about the bigger, broader issue of flooding America with foreign workers, foreign students, foreign tourists, clients for immigration lawyers, and people who are going to vote. And there have been a number of investigations into illegal aliens who voted. Why? Because most often they vote for Democrats. Yes, some will register as liberals, as conservatives, but again, the great majority are going to turn around and say, oh, I'm a Republican, a Democrat, rather. So this gives more votes to the Democrats. There's another situation where illegal aliens were caught voting. One guy, really tenacious, was deported, came back, assumed a new identity, got citizenship on a new identity, and voted illegally before he became a citizen. Unbelievable. But this is what now passes for the new norm. The new norm, if you turn on the radio, is that immigration agents are thugs and bad guys. MS-13 are misunderstood, I guess, and maybe they're having an anger management problem. And if you believe that story, anger management, my goodness gracious, folks. But this is the circumstances under which America and Americans find themselves today. And so you read these articles, article after article after article, and what are you hearing about? Sleeper agents, MS-13, people taking jobs they shouldn't take. Um, this young lady, Molly Tibbetts, being killed in uh, Iowa. And by the way, when people say, well, Americans commit murder also, that's true. They used to say that the immigrants don't commit crime. In fact, lawful immigrants are less likely to commit crime than U.S. citizens. Illegal aliens, on the other hand, are ten times as likely or perhaps even more likely to commit a violent crime. They have nothing to lose. But by commingling those terms, immigrant and non-immigrant, or, or immigrant rather and, and uh, undocumented, and getting rid of um, illegal alien, suddenly anybody who's a foreigner is wonderful and decent and conscientious and just wants the opportunity to be part of the American dream. That's where we are today. And it's so far from the truth. But when was the last time you saw somebody in the mainstream media come up with an honest report? And the problem is you're not going to see any honest reports because, quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, there's just too much damn money floating around. And we're talking about billions and billions and billions of dollars at the risk of sounding like the late Carl Sagan, the astrophysicist. Billions and billions of stars. And in this case, billions and billions of dollars. So why on earth are the politicians so eager to do it? Because they've been bought off. They've been bribed. Maybe they're immigration lawyers. Maybe they're looking for more clients. The one thing that's certain is they're not looking out for America or Americans. And that happens to be a very serious problem. And that's what really disturbs me. And then when you have members of Congress and politicians saying, only arrest the illegal aliens or the aliens of criminal histories, 
I can assure you that sleeper agents don't have criminal histories. They come in illegally and they try to cover their tracks so they can get away with what they're doing. Should we be focusing on aliens with criminal histories? Absolutely. When I worked with Al D'Amato to create the aggravated felon law that made unlawful reentry by criminal aliens a 20-year felony, up until then it was no more than a two-year felony, I told the senator and I told his staff, you need to focus on criminal aliens. However, you must not focus on illegal aliens exclusively who have criminal histories. Focus on them, but when you encounter others, what I call collateral arrests, take the others into custody. It's an opportunity to document who they are, get their fingerprints, their other biometrics, their backgrounds. It's also a way of deterring people from running the border. When they hear that some guy with no criminal history got arrested, the people back in his home country say, gee whiz, you know, maybe it's not worth spending $10,000 million, $10, on a smuggler because if I get caught, all that money is gone and I'm in worse shape than when I started. There's a term for that. It's called deterrence through enforcement. And it's remarkable that that's what we hear about drunk driving and driving while texting and people who commit tax fraud. We're going to find you. We're looking for you. If you step out for a moment, but where illegal immigrants are concerned, oh, these poor people. You know, we, we have to do something for them. We can't arrest all those people, so we may as well give them lawful status. Why don't they use that reasoning with people who speed, drive drunk, or recklessly? Because it's a BS argument. But incredible as it might be, too many so-called average Americans fall for this nonsense as a matter of routine. And the consequence is thousands of people are being killed every year. So yes, Americans commit murder, but why would you want to have people come to America to add more to the death count? Why? People die of heart disease as well as cancer, but you don't stop treating people and finding cures for cancer or heart disease. No one ever says, well, people are going to die of cancer. If they don't die of heart disease, why bother? But again, it's one of these dopey arguments, and too many people don't stop to think about it and say, does this make sense? Does this sound rational? So you get these arguments. What do we do with the people we don't arrest? That's question one. And I have a standard answer. What do the cops do with drunk drivers they don't catch? If we don't catch it today, we'll catch it tomorrow. It's pretty simple. But very often people hear something like that and they say, oh, that makes sense. Why are we bothering? You can't deport them all. What we're getting, folks, are excuses, rationalizations, because the desire is not there, because it runs contrary to what the contributors want. You see, that's the problem. It's the contributors who gets to call the shots. It's the contributors who have to be satisfied and placated by the federal authorities. Not a good situation, and it's only going to get worse. It is really super important for you to get your voice heard, to speak to your members of Congress, to speak to your mayors in town hall meetings, to speak to your governors, to speak to your neighbors and get them to understand the issue. Have them read my articles. Have them listen to this podcast and the podcasts that precede it. There's only one version of the truth, folks. And unfortunately, the mainstream media has determined that you are not worthy of the truth. Better to convince people to do what the oligarchy wants than buck the establishment that's controlling everything. We've got a serious problem. But the problem that's most serious is the inability and unwillingness of Americans to ask the questions to get a better understanding of what's happening. Uh, the great philosopher, the French philosopher, um, oh my goodness, I'm having a senior moment. Uh, but but it, it's a well-known statement that you judge a man's intelligence by his questions, not by his answers. Voltaire, forgive me. Voltaire said that, and JFK used to say it frequently. You judge a person's intelligence by their questions. The biggest return we get from the space program is the next set of questions. But in America today, few people are willing to question. They're unwilling to challenge. They're unwilling to stick their neck out. It must be true because they say and I heard. They say and I heard. Two of the most dangerous phrases that I've ever heard in my life. 
Because once you blindly follow someone, you are liable to be following him off the road or following her off the road down the embankment and into oblivion. We really need to develop critical thinking skills and say, okay, what happens if you take down the borders? What happens if we stop enforcing immigration laws? How will you get a job if we start to go back to the old practice of admitting more foreign workers and the number of new jobs we're creating? That can't possibly end well. The Labor Department used to run immigration prior to the Second World to prevent Americans from having to compete with foreign workers. America was trying to dig out of the Depression. And after 9-11 and after it was made abundantly clear that it was multiple failures of the immigration system that enabled the terrorists to enter the United States and embed themselves, hide in plain sight, that people said, we've got to have, create a new agency. And along comes George W. Bush and makes certain that it's dysfunctional. This wasn't an accident. That's the same reason that Jeb Bush said that illegal immigration is an act of love. It's an act of suicide. And we've had other hearings on this. In fact, March 21st, 2012, the House Committee on Homeland Security, chaired by Congressman Peter King, conducted a hearing on the topic of Iran, Hezbollah, and the threat to the homeland. And it's interesting because back then, and this is, I mean, think about this. This is a, a very liberal paper. The Huffington Post published a report about that hearing conducted back in March of 2012. And here's the title, Peter King colon, in other words, he said, he said, Iran may have hundreds of Hezbollah agents in the United States. Well, guess what? These two characters, if they are guilty as charged, are classic examples of sleeper agents. To again quote my article on April 21st, 2010, the Washington Times published a disturbing report predicated on a Pentagon report to Congress on Iran's military options in Latin America, the title, Iran Boost Cuds Shock Troops in Venezuela. And here's an excerpt from that. The report gives no t- details of the activities of the Iranians in Venezuela and Latin America. Latin Amer- sorry, Latin America. Iranian-backed terrorists have conducted few attacks in the region. However, U.S. intelligence officials say that Cuds operatives are developing networks of terrorists in the region who could be called to attack the United States in the event of a conflict over Iran's nuclear program. Well, isn't that where we are now, where President Trump is laying down the law and saying to the Iranians, we're on to your nonsense and this is going to stop? My concern is that stuff is going to start to blow up. They are here, make no mistake about it. And sanctuary city mayors and sanctuary state governors are doing everything they can to run interference, to prevent immigration enforcement personnel to do their job to protect national security and public safety. This is simply outrageous and inexcusable. And we, the people, have to take a stand. No one else can do this for us, folks. This is something that we as Americans bear the responsibility to address. If you are a parent, if you have children, you can't be a good parent unless you are involved in politics because this has a direct impact on your children's future. This also has a direct impact on the future of your grandchildren and their children down the road. Let's all wake up. Let's all get involved. Roll up your sleeves. Have those conversations with your neighbors. And it's not just a matter of voting. It's a matter of making it clear to our elected representatives that we are not the dummies that they hope that we are. I hope that you will check out my articles. I hope that you will reach out to your friends, post the links to my articles on Facebook or other social media. Help me get the word out there. Let's become a team, not about left or right, but about right or wrong. Let's be Team America, where we put America and Americans First, you know, as I always say in my articles, you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. And, of course, democracy is not a spectator sport. I look forward to seeing you again next week at the same time right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. But meanwhile, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Take good care of yourselves. We'll see you next week. So long.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.